Okay. If you have a Bible, you can open to Galatians 5, where the text is printed in the bulletin on the next page for you. We'll look at verses 22 and 23, as we've been doing for a while now. Uh, We're right now in the middle of a worship service. So, in case you were confused about that point, uh, that's where you are. Thanks for being here. Uh, A big central part of what it means to, to be in a worship service big part of it and central is uh is that we're here to praise jesus so we talk about jesus uh, we celebrate him we sing to him we thank him we relate to him we extol him we bear witness to him we commend jesus to each other and to all for life with god so we're here to talk about jesus one of the most surprisingly beautiful things that anybody could say about the lord jesus is that he is gentle. To talk about his gentleness, the real tenderness and humility of his mercies to us. So we're going to talk about his gentleness today, how good it is, how each of us needs it, how we can receive it, and how we actually can become gentle like Jesus and extend his own gentle love to others who need it. So that's what we'll talk about. We pray, then we'll read the scripture together. Father, we want to hear from you. We want to know you and know Jesus, whom you've sent. We want to share your life, your eternal life, and be filled with your spirit. And we want to become like you. So please hear our prayers now and answer us as we consider your word together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's say this together. The fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this, this week, uh, Joe Pope shared a video with a few of us. It was an interview with an English author named Tom Holland. It's not the, the fellow who played Spider-Man. It's a, it's a different guy altogether. He's an author. Uh, something of a scholar, something of a historian. So he uh, recently wrote a book, this is Tom Holland, called Dominion. The subtitle is How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. And so he makes the argument uh, that so many of the values that we find really common, almost universal in Western civilization, almost taken for granted, these, these values were originally introduced to the world through Christianity. For example, things like defending the weak and the vulnerable, or caring for the poor, or mercy and gentleness as admirable character traits. These have become cultural instincts in places that have been shaped over the centuries by Jesus and by his people in the church. People in broader society now take these values for granted. And in general, we think that they should be universally shared by all civilized people. But no one would have considered them this way, values like this, unless the gospel of Jesus Christ had shaped the culture for centuries. So these values are uniquely Christian, which is a fact that is easily overlooked by people who reject Christian beliefs, but want to still affirm these uniquely Christian values. Uh, Holland is not the first person to make this argument. There's been a lot of books actually uh, talking about this. But he's making this argument from the perspective of someone who isn't necessarily 
a Christian bearing witness to Christ, bearing witness to Jesus. In this interview uh, that Joe shared, uh, he, uh, Tom Holland indicates that he was uh, surprised by all of this, surprised to discover that he basically had Christian values, that in some sense he, would, he might call himself a Christian. That he had Christian values, surprised because he had never considered himself a Christian or rooted his values in any sort of Christian faith. Right? He's surprised. And what seemed to surprise Holland most was how these Christian values really are unique, really are foreign to this world. So he describes what was normal in human civilization in the ancient world. For example, Caesar, the Roman emperor, he would slaughter and enslave literally millions of people. And rather than being apologetic about it or ashamed about what is mass murder or genocide, he would boast about it. And he would advertise the greatness of such violent power. When he returned to Rome in triumph, his people would celebrate and they'd promote his violence with billboards. Look how many people he's killed. Look how many people he's enslaved. How great this ruler is. And Holland calls this a terrifyingly alien, unspeakably cruel world that is built on systematic exploitation. That's, that's how the world is apart from Christ. Terrifyingly alien, unspeakably cruel, built on systematic exploitation. This is not just how the world was. This is how the world is for so many people. This is how the whole world would be apart from Christ. A world where you expect misery and violence and oppression and injustice. A world where the cruel and the vicious and the volatile rule. A world where it's a perk of power to be able to get away with abusing others. However you like. You have the right because you have the power. A world where the weak cannot show their vulnerability. A world where it's contemptible to ask for help. A world where there is no relief from fear except for becoming calloused and manipulative and maybe powerful enough to dominate others. This is not just what people expect when they live in cultures that have not been shaped by the gospel. These are things that we all assume as fixtures in this world, even Christians, when we forget who Jesus is and how his kingdom works. These are our basic assumptions about the world. We have a frightening vision of how authority and power works. And we're terrified of showing weakness and vulnerability in a world like this. When we think of the most powerful people in the world, in the history of the world, we think of those with the biggest armies, the best weapons, the most money at their disposal, the most people to command, the absolute will to dominate. So we think of people like Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar and Genghis Khan and Napoleon and Hitler. 
the most powerful people in the history of the world. These overpowering men wanted to be king of the world. And generally speaking, you either got on board with that or you got out of the way. Imagine then when the true king of kings and the true lord of lords came into this world to exercise divine power. And he was nothing like this. He was nothing like what we would have expected. He was not obsessed with the pursuit of his own power and glory. He was not cruel or vicious or volatile. He did not despise or exploit the weak. He did not intimidate or manipulate or dominate. Rather, he was gentle. Meek and humble and associating with the lowly. Isaiah, it was foretold it. Isaiah 42. God says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. So you think of a reed, right, sort of like a tall piece of grass. Bruised in the middle, which creates a weak spot, point of vulnerability, so that the reed starts to collapse under its own weight where the slightest wrong touch would just snap it and break it. If that described you, a bruised reed like that, you probably would wrap yourself up in defenses. You would hide or protect that vulnerable spot from further damage. You'd be tempted to put on a show of strength and never let down your guard and never let anyone see your true frailty. You certainly wouldn't petition a cruel, opportunistic tyrant for help, for relief, for healing. At best, if you did that, you'd be laughed at and dismissed in a humiliating way. Or think of a little candle stub that the wind has blown out where the wick is still smoking, but just barely, because there's one tiny spark, maybe you can't even see it, but it's smoldering there in the wick. If that described you, you'd probably be afraid of any sudden change, even the smallest change. Any little puff of air that came your way, you would not go to the most powerful people in the world for help. But you can go to Jesus because Jesus won't crush you or snuff you out. Zephaniah says, He will quiet you by his love. Matthew 11, we heard in our call to worship, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So this is the biggest, most wonderful surprise to us, that Almighty God comes to us in the humble, gentle person, of Jesus. It's a surprise to us because we would think it would be out of character for God to do something like this, to be gentle and lowly. 
But it wasn't out of character for God to do this. Jesus perfectly reveals the true character of God. He reflects the true character of God, which means that God himself must be gentle and lowly in heart, just like Jesus says he is. And we do find this truth everywhere in the scriptures. Psalm 34 says, The Lord, he's near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Jesus is the king who can be trusted with bruised reeds and with faintly burning wicks. Jesus is the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. Truly the most powerful person in the world. But the one whom you can approach in all your vulnerability to ask for help. When we see the gentleness of Jesus in the Gospels, which we see many times, it's no wonder that the whole world would express a longing and an appreciation for gentleness as, as opposed to the old ways of cruelty and exploitation and domination that have really ruled the world. <clears throat> Think of our gospel reading, which Nathan read from Matthew 12, where Jesus faces all the power brokers in the synagogue. Right? These are the important people in, in the Jewish society, in the Jewish culture, the powerful They're used to controlling and really spiritually abusing the people. And Jesus just, he pities a man with a withered hand, takes pity on him, and he heals him. And this was done, it says, to fulfill that prophecy of his gentleness, that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench. We're thinking of the time uh, in the Gospels when... um, a man who's full of leprosy, his body's falling apart. He approached Jesus, surely with fear and with trepidation, because he's been trained, he's been conditioned by everybody to avoid human contact, even though he's desperate for it. And this leper knelt before Jesus and he implored him, he begged, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And it says that Jesus moved with pity stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And he was healed and he rejoiced and he told everyone about it. Or think of in Mark chapter 5, the woman who, uh, she had the flow of blood for 12 years. And it says she had suffered much under many physicians. She went to the doctors. Not only didn't it help, she said, it, it says that spending all she had, she was no better but rather grew worse a long time to suffer. She had heard about Jesus and was so desperate for help and healing, yet she was obviously so afraid to just ask him, to approach him directly and ask for his help and his healing that she thought, well, if I can just touch his garments in the middle of this big crowd, I won't be noticed, but I'll be made well. And she did, and she was healed, but Jesus asked who had touched him because he felt the power go out from him. And it says she was still afraid. She came in fear and trembling. And she fell down before him and told him the whole truth, probably cringing, knowing what to expect from the most powerful people in the world. And what did he do? With such wonderful gentleness, he called her daughter and he assured her that everything was just, it was going to be just fine. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. It's not what anyone would expect when approaching the most powerful man in the world, holding your pain in your hands, 
asking him to help. But this is who Jesus is. Because God delights in Jesus and God has put his spirit on Jesus to be gentle with people who come to him in their vulnerable need, in their desperate need. So a little caveat, um, talking about gentleness, it doesn't mean that Jesus is tame, domesticated. It doesn't mean he's going to act like we expect. He, he can be stern. He can be challenging when that's what we need. He doesn't coddle us or tolerate our obstinance, and he isn't fooled by pretenders who play the victim really in order to avoid the pain of being confronted with their sin. But the point is this. Jesus knows what we need. Jesus loves us and does what we need. He isn't a self-absorbed narcissist who only thinks of himself as he's relating to other people. Always looking for ways to leverage relationships and use people to advance himself and glorify himself. That's not what he's doing. He orients himself toward us. He pays attention to us. He knows us. He considers us. He considers what we need, and he does what is best for us. And you know this because he didn't preserve his own life, but he went to the cross and he laid it down for you. And at some point, in some way, at some time, you all need, we all need his gentle love. You might be bruised by sufferings in an unjust world. You might be bruised by afflictions of body or afflictions of mind. You might be bruised and brokenhearted by relationships with those who are closest to you. You might be bruised by your own sin, by your own guilt before God. Your faith might be on the verge of being extinguished like a a guttering flickering candle. The true strength of Jesus, it's not weakness. The strength of Jesus is in his gentleness towards you, his gentle love toward you. And he invites you to believe it and to come to him and and come for, for rest and for healing. It might not be the healing you expected, but Jesus knows the healing you need which especially means the restoration of your relationship with the God of life. So Richard Sibbs uh, wrote this book, uh, The Old English Puritan, several hundred years ago, The Bruised Reed, um, on that passage from Isaiah 42. And he says this about Jesus. He is a meek king. He will admit mourners into his presence. A king of poor and afflicted persons. He is a physician good at all diseases, especially at the binding up of a broken heart. What other Lord is like him? Coming in humility. What other Lord says, in my kingdom, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. They're the ones with the true power and true authority in the world. So when you come to the Lord who's near to the brokenhearted, who saves the crushed in spirit, who is gentle and lowly in heart, you'll find rest for your souls. And his gentleness, his gentleness with you, it'll free you to be vulnerable before God and before other people.
His gentleness makes it so that you don't have to live a life of fear or of constant self-protection against further pain. His gentleness might mean you feel more pain because you're not guarding yourself all the time against it. His gentleness can restore you and make you resilient and whole without hardening you. It can make you strong without making you guarded and cruel. His gentleness frees you to be gentle like he is. So when you find your rest in him, he promises you the the reassuring presence of God. God is bigger and better than anything in the world. His reality is greater than all our sin and all our suffering and even death itself. And he will never leave you or forsake you. That's the promise of his reassuring presence. The Lord is full of tender mercy. And when we receive his gentleness, and as we live with him and abide in him, and learn from him and follow him, we can also become gentle and extend his gentle mercy to each other. The Christ-centered spirit who keeps us focused on Jesus and who grows the life of Jesus and the character of Jesus in us, he does this. Any Christian can have a true divine gentle love as the fruit of the spirit, as a response to Christ's own gentleness to us. We can cut all cruelty and harshness out of our lives. We can stop intimidating and threatening and manipulating others to get our way. We can have a real concern for the welfare of others, not just relate to them, asking what they can do for us, or how I can bend them to my will in self-centered ways. We can have a real concern for the welfare of others, particularly a real concern for their relationship with God. We can put ourselves in the shoes of other people. We can show them mercy and sympathize with their weaknesses because Jesus has sympathized with with our weaknesses rather than showing contempt, rather than abusing us, rather than exploiting us. So we can sympathize with others rather than showing contempt or abusing or exploiting them. So many people are feeling afflicted and distressed right now with the stresses of COVID and the lockdown with all the social impacts of distancing and isolation especially. It's all amplified during a holiday season where we're being advised not to go out or not to gather together as we normally would. So it might be that the Advent song resonates with us uh, more, more deeply than ever, the people that in darkness sat, who long in shades of death have been. Isn't that how it feels? That's how many people feel. Many people feel their need for support, for help, for comfort of some kind. Maybe they know that this need is a need for God. Maybe they know their need for the reassuring presence of God. Or maybe they don't know that this is their greatest need. But the Lord knows each one, and he is full of tender mercy, and we have been commissioned to extend his gentleness in his name. We've been called by his Spirit We've been anointed by his spirit. We've been equipped and enabled and empowered by the spirit of Jesus Christ to be near to the brokenhearted, to be near to the vulnerable, to show them by our own vulnerable gentleness that the Lord Jesus can be trusted to help people like us when we go to him with our needs. In a world like this, maybe that would be a pleasant and welcome surprise. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we're deeply, deeply relieved to find that you're gentle. That you reveal yourself perfectly in the Lord Jesus who calls himself gentle and lowly in heart. Who blesses the meek and the vulnerable. Thank you so much that you're not like other gods and other lords. We come to you for rest for our souls as bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. And we trust that you will be gentle with us. We want to be made whole by you, which means becoming like you in your vulnerability and your gentleness. We want others to find rest for their souls in your gentle love as well. So help us to tell them about you, Jesus, and even to show them your tender mercies in our actions. We pray in your name. Amen.